Hey, guess what? It's time for Making Kayfabe with your hosts, Bryce and Dylan. God help us. Hello and welcome to Making Kayfabe, the show where Bryce and Dylan rebook some of wrestling's biggest missed opportunities and most terrible storylines. And well, speaking of terrible storylines, we are fantasy booking a storyline today which doesn't just take the cake, it takes the whole fucking bakery. Today, I, Bryce of the Making Kayfabe podcast, will try, I'm going to try and make sense out of one of the most infamous much criticised, most bewildering WWE storylines of all time, Katie Vick. Dylan's here. How are you, Dylan? I don't know why you're talking about why you, you're going to try and make sense out of it. Fuck the corpse. What's hard to understand? Uh, Makes total sense. I mean, but why? Uh, well, why does anything happen? Because generally, <laughs> generally when you're making sense out of something, you ask why, right? And there's not really a why for this. It's just... Why did Kane fuck a corpse? Look at him now. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even Kane, it was Triple H. Well, the insinuation was that Kane did it though, right? Yes, you, you are right, you are right indeed. Um, I've got a question for you. Okay. Why are you letting me do this? Well, you know, I thought, you, you suggested this, and I don't know if you did it because you were expecting me to say, no, Bryce, that's a terrible idea. But instead, I was like, Bryce, that's absolutely a brilliant idea. And I and all of the millions and millions of making kayfabe fans cannot wait to hear about the business that you have lined up for us. Because like you said, Katie Vick was such a, a strange storyline. Mm. It came out of nowhere. It didn't make any sense. It was really disgusting. A poor taste, which I guess is kind of in the the WWE wheelhouse. But <laughs> it was it, it's so memorable because of how bad it was. And like you said before... That's pretty much what this show does. We rebook some of the worst stuff that happens in pro wrestling. And good lord, if that isn't one of the worst things that happened in pro wrestling. Oh, dude, it absolutely is. I mean, like, you look at, like, lists of, like, worst storylines in WWE history, and this is usually at least top five, right, every single time. Usually top one. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> struggling to think what's worse than Katie Vick. What could be worse than Katie Vick? I don't think there's many hot takes that we can give on Katie Vick. I think it's all been said, <laughs> to be honest. So um, if you don't know who or what Katie Vick is, then you are in for a hell of a treat. Because I wouldn't call it a treat. <laughs> I, don't I mean, it's not a treat, but it's, uh, it's what's the opposite of treat, Trick? Yeah. Um, because <laughs> before we get to the fantasy booking, we're going to do a catch-up. So let's catch up on all things Katie Vick. The Katie Vick saga all started on the October 7th, 2002 edition of Raw, which, can I just very quickly point out, other than the ending, this was a making kayfabe wet dream of a Raw. It was the night of Raw Roulette, when Eric Bischoff would spin a big roulette wheel to determine matches, and seriously, dude, listen to this. This show had Triple H versus D'Lo Brown in a blindfold match. (laughs) Right. It had Goldust versus William Regal in a Las Vegas Showgirls oh, match. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. That classic. Yeah. <laughs> it had Al Snow versus Test in a Las Vegas street fight. Mm. <laughs> I liked half of that. It had Jerry Lawler versus Stevie fucking Richards. Oh, surely Stevie Richards won again, right? Yes, I think so. It's got to be the way. Undefeated against the, the king. 
he always wins. Even if he didn't win this one, he definitely won it, right? He's oh, yeah, he, yeah, 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 definitely. In our eyes. And then you'll remember this one, the TLC main event, which was Rob Van Dam and Jeff Hardy versus Bubba and Spike versus Chris Jericho and Christian versus Kane. And you may be wondering, why just Kane? Where is he, where's his tag team partner? Well, at this point in time, Kane was tag team champions with the Hurricane in what was a very fun tag team. Earlier in the night, though, those sons of bitches, Triple H and Ric Flair, they attacked the Hurricane backstage, ruling him out of the match, so Kane will have to go and defend the tag team title solo in the TLC match against six of the biggest names in WWE. And that's quite a lot of odds to stack against a babyface, right? You'd think that any babyface who overcame those odds would be immediately popular, right? You would think so. Well, Kane won. He won without a tag team partner, so let me just set this in fucking stone here before we, you know, just to, just to outline how dumb this kind of proceeding storyline was. <laughs> okay. Kane was so over during this time. And, mm-hmm. like, dude, he legitimately was. He wasn't uh, just a tag team champion at this point either. He was also the Intercontinental champion. And, Ooh. like, he just defeated six guys by himself in uh, an incredible TLC match. By himself. But anyway, after the TLC match, Triple H comes out onto the stage and says to Kane, You are a murderer. <laughs> let's not even tease it. Like, let's go straight into yeah, this. Straight in. Let's go right into the fucking meat of it. Yeah. <laughs> not going to waste any time. No. It's the end of Raw. There's like two minutes left. We've got to get it Fuck. In. Here's the thing. See that guy? <laughs> yeah. I just came here to say. Yeah. Just passing through. <laughs> we trips here. Just got to say, that guy, murderer. Anyway, see you just, next week. Just while I'm here, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, he starts talking about Kane's recent run of form, uh, saying that, you know, this is the happiest you've ever been in your life, right? <laughs> well, how happy? Are you, you think you're happy now? <laughs> <laughs> well, how happy is Katie Vick? That's because sick. 10 years ago, you killed her. Good God. The cameras pan into Kane's shocked and demoralised face as Raw goes off the air. The audience at the time must have been thinking, wow. What the fuck is this? Little did they know what was about to unravel. I bet they were like, that was a great match. Do you know what I mean? I bet like whatever Triple H said, they're like, yeah, whatever. But uh, hell of a hell of a main event there, you know? Just, you know, a big good TLC match, exactly. Yeah. So this might be another storyline. Who knows? It might be a good storyline. Who knows? Let's find out. <laughs> um, <laughs> the following week on Raw... October 14th, 2002, the show starts with Kane and his recently recovered tag team partner, The Hurricane, versus Chris Jericho and Christian for the tag team titles. Kane and The Hurricane lose, which is hilarious because what was the fucking point in having Kane <laughs> win the TLC match last week? But right. hey, is what it is. It's, I mean, it's uh, around this time where we had this storyline, I guess, so WWE's booking ideas weren't all great. Later in the night, Triple H is booked in a Canadian lumberjack match against Rob Van Dam. <laughs> of course. You know what a Canadian lumberjack match is? Oh, all the lumberjacks are made out of maple syrup. I mean, no, but I mean, it's a good guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's where all the lumberjacks have straps. Okay. Are all Why the lumberjacks Canadian? Cana- I don't well, know. But are, they, are, they, are the lumberjacks Canadian? Um, let's see. Like, is yes. it Chris Jericho and... Education and stuff, and, yeah. And Tristratus, yeah, yeah. Valvinus. Yeah. I'm not actually sure. Yeah, I'm not actually sure. I can't can't quite remember, but 
So in the same segment, Triple H promises to tell the whole world the Katie Vick story if Kane does not confess himself tonight. So elsewhere, Kane and Hurricane get into an argument. Kane tells Hurricane to leave him alone and then Terry, of all people, comes over to speak to him, telling him that all he needs to do is tell everyone what happened and everything will be fine. So, yeah, go, go and confess the fucking murder you just committed. Everything's going to be okay. Water under the bridge. How does she know? I don't know, but she made an arse of that one, I think. <laughs> it might it may be her fault that this all happens, but yeah. Yeah, like is she it's, involved it's, in this somehow? Maybe. It's never often mentioned, but I do believe Terry killed Katie Vick. I I'd buy it. I'd buy it. It's it's an interesting way to take the storyline. Maybe that's what happens later, but so Kane comes out in the next segment and yeah, here we go. He addresses the situation regarding Katie Vick, having been prompted by Triple H. So Kane says that Katie Vick was a girl he used to know. They were good friends 10 years ago when Kane started wrestling. She was the only person who cared about him, but she died in an accident, so Kane is not a murderer. <laughs> Apparently, they went to a party one night. You know, poor Katie had a bit too much to drink, so Kane decided to drive her home in her car. Responsible Kane. However, he wasn't familiar with a stick shift which is a gear stick for us in the UK, our manual transmission. He was only familiar with automatic. Then Kane hit an animal on the road, swerved and crashed. Kane says, I broke my arm, but Katie was killed instantly. But it was an accident. It's something that I have to live with and something I've thought about every day since. So the only thing I have left to say is what I said to Katie's parents. I'm sorry. Well, that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, cool. Close the book on My that My daughter's one. <laughs> dead, but uh, this guy's sorry about it, so... He did say sorry. I mean, come on. <laughs> Fucking Americans don't even know how to use a car properly. Yeah, I know. It's it's like, it's oh, all, automatic all, cars. All automatic oh, it's, it, it, yeah. oh, is it hard to use a gear stick? Oh, this is really hard. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. You have to... Spoon feed them everything. It's not like half of our fucking listener base is America. Like... <laughs> It's really easy to to use a gear stick, guys. That's all I'm saying. The Americans who listen to the show, they're okay, right? Yes, they're the best. Yes, they are the best. So, Triple H then comes out and... <laughs> good lord. This is so fucking dumb, man. But he says Kane was also drunk. And apparently, the cops found Kane's semen in Katie Vick. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the semen at? Oh, there it is. It's inside the woman. <laughs> I couldn't where find they, it, but then... Where did they go? Where did they leave? Where did they, where did they leave that semen? Oh, it's over there. <laughs> oh, God. He tells a story of unrequited love. Kane loved Katie, but Katie didn't love him. And then Triple H says to Kane, Kane, the question I have is, on that night... Did you force yourself on Katie Vick while she was alive? Or did you wait until after she was dead? Oh my god. And then that brought an episode, an end to this episode of Raw. But. It's like fucking neighbours. Fucking ridiculous. I don't think that was the neighbor's theme tune, but it was something. <laughs> but you know everything about um, soaps, don't I you? Fucking Emmerdale. Don't get me started on Emmerdale. Uh, <laughs> right, questions, right? 
Mm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'd say you've got a couple of questions. I'll I'll start off with why with why this is just so fucking dumb on the surface alone. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll get a bit deeper. All right. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. the cops found Kane's semen in Katie Vick post mortem, but didn't mm-hmm. charge him. <laughs> right. That's question one. <laughs> yeah, They're like yep, everything seems to be in order. <laughs> you know. <laughs> question two. Kane was apparently drunk, but the cops right. didn't charge him. Right. He was driving the car. Yeah, and his exactly. Se- he was his semen was fine uh, in the lady, and they were like, <laughs> I don't see how this guy could be related to this incident at all. You're free to go, sir. <laughs> yeah, goodbye. Sorry we inconvenienced you. And, like, one thing that was never explained, like, question, point for you, whatever, how does Triple H know any of this? Like, why Why does he know it? What's the point in him finding this out? Like, maybe he saw, like, a news report back in 1992 or something, but it's never actually explained in the story. So, I guess we're dealing with private detective Hunter Hearst Temsley here. Right. Like, that raises a really good point. How does he find I, this out? That I don't think they really, you know, funny that they left a bunch of plot holes in this <laughs> well-thought-out storyline. <laughs> well, yeah. But... Like, he, Triple H he knows so much about it. So, like, he, on face value, when you look at it, either he's totally making it up because he knows way too much about this, mm. or, like you said, he has went out of his way to get a private detective to find out dirt on Kian, which is exactly. also, like, super weird, you know? Yeah. What a bizarre thing to find as well, but it's just... What a bizarre storyline, but let's go deeper. Um, so that's, that's my first <laughs> set of questions. <laughs> okay. Have WWE completely forgotten Kane's entire fucking backstory? Yeah, he's I already mean, a murderer, isn't he? <laughs> Did well, he kill his parents? <laughs> well, that that was Undertaker, but I mean, that was... Uh, so Kane... The wacky kids. Those wacky... What are they like? Setting fires. <laughs> right. Kane was partying. He was partying, drinking and hanging out with girls like 10 years ago. Yes. What happened to The Undertaker's little brother who couldn't speak until given a voice box on the on June of 1998, you know, 6 years after Katie Vick's death? Yeah, well, he was traumatized. Couldn't talk anymore after well, that. Well, yeah, he was. Well, I, I get that, but he's at parties. He's drinking, he's hanging out with people. How does he speak to them? Oh, you can go to a party and drink and not talk. Trust I mean, me. But how does he form relationships with Katie Vick? I don't stop stop, stop trying to justify this. That's a good point. That is a good point. How does he get, like, a girlfriend? And how does yeah. he drive her home? Yeah. I never verbally communicate anything. How does, he, how does he pass his driving test? At the start of the driving test, you get asked to, like, say the number plate in front of you, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's the same in America. You know, and the, if they don't have a fucking gear stick, I mean... Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're like, you look nice, here's a license. <laughs> um, was Kane wearing a mask? To hide these horrific burns caused by the well, house fire. Remember, they kind of they kind of retconned that. They were like, the scars are all emotional. And you're like, oh, that sucks. They did actually later when he took the mask off. I guess yeah. that's fair enough. But at this point, at this point. Right. He was still wearing the mask. We all still thought he did have the scars. Yes. Um. So again, that got glossed over. And also, wasn't Kane believed to be dead before Paul Bear revealed that he wasn't in 1997? I mean, I just mentioned that- the house fire. Uh, yeah. which in kayfabe Undertaker fought killed both of his parents and Kane at the time right mm-hmm. and Kane's just out there fucking partying that right there that one that that question why nobody asked that question mm. do you know what I mean like holy shit you're the detective here 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's just fucking basic shit, man. But that's so obvious. The <laughs> whole you're paying point... the slightest bit of attention to Kane's character, fucking none of this makes sense at the all. The whole but... point of Kane coming in <sighs> was that the Undertaker thought he was dead, yeah. right? Yeah. That's why it was a surprise. He's like, oh my god, my dead brother's back. Exactly, so, right? But he's fucking, yeah, fucking partying so he wasn't, in the morning. It, yeah, <laughs> it, like, he was really bad at keeping that secret, and the Undertaker still didn't find out. Yeah, he, Undertaker's a fucking idiot. He yeah. was in a car crash where the woman died, and the Undertaker <laughs> didn't see that on the news. Yeah. What the fuck? Undertaker's living under a fucking rock in Death Valley or something, <laughs> yeah. Triple H find out about this. <laughs> How does Triple H know, but Undertaker doesn't? <laughs> like, the Undertaker not figure this out. It gets worse, man. Um, <laughs> oh, it could get worse. No Mercy 2002. Kane takes on Triple H in a title unification match to unify both Triple H's World Heavyweight title and Kane's Intercontinental title. And yeah. there's not actually much going on here other than Triple H beating Kane in an overbooked mess, squashing any momentum that the Devil's Favourite Demon had left at this point. Um, like Just so much interference and bullshittery in this match. It wasn't even funny. It sounds like Triple H. But like to be fair... If you're going to have a title unification match mm. between the heavyweight championship, who, who is uh, Triple H, and the Intercontinental Championship, who's held by Kian, mm. you don't really need a whole lot of storyline to, to go with that match, right? It's true, but they, they, they have a whole lot of storyline to go with it. <laughs> yeah, the whole idea of that match sells itself. You don't really be like, we got to get somebody screwing a corpse in here somewhere. It's, this is the only storyline we can fit it in. <laughs> It's got to be this one. Speaking of, um, the next night on Raw. <laughs> oh boy. As if Triple H wasn't content enough to beat Kian the and unify the titles. He's like, I got I to gotta really rub it in here. He's got to keep going here, yeah. Um, next night on Raw, October, October 21st, 2002. So Triple H come out revealing that they have a tape, which shows <laughs> whether or not Kian had sex with Vic after or before or after she was dead. Uh, Kane's friend, the Hurricane, comes down to get some revenge for his friend, but then just gets his ass kicked. So the tape gets played later in the night, and if you've seen it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how much description I actually want to uh, give this here, so I guess I'll keep it basic, but the scene is in a funeral home, uh, and there's a casket with a mannequin who, of course, is meant to be Katie Vick. In walks Triple H, who is dressed like Kane, like a Kane mask and a Kane t-shirt, so he's impersonating Kane. He tells Katie Vick that he wants her now more than ever as he takes off his shirt and starts mounting uh, Katie Vick in her casket with lots of grunting. Well, Uh, to be uh, fair, you you don't really... You see him get into the casket, right? Yeah. But you don't actually see... As far it's been a while since I watched the video, but I don't at, think at least a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you don't see anything else in the casket, right? It's just kind of him climbing into the casket. Oh, you see the mannequin. You see the mannequin. Oh yeah. dear. Yeah, you, you, def- <laughs> you definitely, definitely do because. Oh. Well, actually, the next part is uh, what kind of confirms it. So by the end of it, Triple H is uh, you know fully naked, and he <laughs> reaches his arm down to Katie Vick's head, um, oh. where he says. I really did it. I really did it. I screwed your brains out. And then he grabs a handful of what, like, is meant to be brains and then throws them <laughs> towards the camera. Um, dude, seven minutes. I watched seven minutes of that for this fucking show. You know, I've changed my mind. At first, I didn't like this storyline, but now I, 
<laughs> I'm all in, baby. <laughs> the brilliance, that commitment to the bit, wonderful acting. Do you know? Do you know this actually gets worse as well when you know the context behind it? So, like, it's anyway, it's yeah, it's worse than I remember. But according to according to Bruce Pritchard, there were crew members who quit after filming this segment because of the subject matter. And get this, I, I don't know if you knew this one, Dylan, but this was in a real funeral home <laughs> with 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 a real wake taking place, literally in the same fucking room. No. Yes. Right, let me what? tell you this. Let me fucking tell you this. On the Something to Wrestle With podcast, fuck you, Conrad, Bruce Pritchard said this. He says, you know how they have those accordion dividers that divide rooms? There was no. an accordion divider dividing the rooms where we're doing our shot, and they were having a wake for a gentleman in the next room. So, this poor fella's family is mourning his death. And Triple H is fucking a mannequin within the earshot. I mean, Triple H's commitment to the bit, you gotta admit, <sighs> incredible. <laughs> I mean, if I was there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it, but he went all out. He really made it seem like he was fucking that corpse. You wouldn't even be there. They'd be like, great, Triple H, you want to come and shoot a, a fucking segment where you fucking a corpse? You'd say no. Well. <laughs> You'd fucking say no. Yeah, we would, but we're not Triple <sighs> H. That's what I'm saying. He's committed to the business. To to their credit, Bruce Pritchard, Triple H, and Kevin Dunn all said to Vince McMahon that they, they didn't think that the segment should air, but Vince stuck to his guns. He was determined to air the segment. Man, like, just... I... The, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, mate. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <sighs> Moving on. Yep. Anyway, the the main event is Triple H and Ric Flair versus Kane and Rob Van Dam. Kane and RVD win, and then after the match, Kane and Triple H keep fighting into the backstage area. They go at the parking lot. Kane chokeslams Triple H onto a car hood with the hurricane holding up the boot or trunk of the car. Kane locks Triple H in the trunk and says, Triple H, you hear me in there? Now I'm going to screw you. Oh my god, I was just about to say that. The only question is, the only <laughs> question is, will you still be alive? Or will I wait until you're dead? Wow. I legitimately was just about to say, hey Triple H, now I'm going to fuck you. What do you think of that? <laughs> and then Kane actually said that. Well, you know, effectively. I... Oh dear. <laughs> Kane then drives away in what I presume is an automatic. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if it wasn't? He just stalls it. Yeah, like, I can never drive these things. <gasps> Triple H was right. Or crashes this one too. He just crashes it at the wall. Oh, my arm. <laughs> oh, man. The following week, October 28th, 2002, is the long overdue end to this story. I say long overdue. It's been four weeks, which just highlights how fucking bad everything was. At the start of the show, there was a casket at the side of the ring, for fuck's sake. It's exactly what it was there for. <laughs> Triple H comes out, and he says that he escaped kidnapping last week thanks to the child <laughs> safety latch in the trunk. I, I hate it when they do that on wrestling. <laughs> like, they're like, what's going to happen next week? And then the next week, it's like, oh, I got out. I got here. Yeah, so, yeah, what are you fine. worried about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
the what the worst one was sorry to derail this, but I have to tell you about this. There was one in the attitude era where Steve Austin locked Triple H in his limousine right. and then he got a forklift and he lifted the limousine like really high up and then he dropped it and it like the car flips over so it lands on a, on a, like on the uh, on its roof and it gets yes. totally crushed right and you're like whoa holy shit right and that was on a pay-per-view so obviously there's a raw the next day next day stephanie mcmahon comes out to open the show and she's like yeah triple h is in hospital but he's fine like that's it he'll <laughs> <laughs> be okay <laughs> yeah so don't worry about him he'll be fine you're like just a few cuts and bruises you know yeah he'll be back next week you're like fuck me give it a bit of time to breathe so yeah you're you're spot on that's basically what it was it's just like he got out it's fine don't worry about it um he brings katie vick the mannequin out of the casket (laughs) brings it into the ring he sits it on his knee and he basically does like a ventriloquist act but not a very good one oh god jerry lawler on commentary calls katie vick dead sexy I was just about to make that joke. <laughs> what did you write this fucking storyline? Is it you? I was, I was just about to say, oh, Jerry Lawler probably like that's a hot looking blonde. You My just fucking God. rip your you rip your fucking mask off. It's Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> but also, I'm I'm starting to question my own like brand of humor. If I'm like, it's this all been really done already. Yeah. yeah, it's been done in the Kitty Vic. I mean, this is I don't know. I'm scared now. Speaking of humor. Uh, the hurricane comes down to interrupt. Uh, it turns out he's got a video of his own. Oh, Luckily, Jesus Christ. it's not anyone fucking a mannequin this time. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it shows somebody wearing a Triple H mask in a hospital, uh, lying on a table, arse upwards. Uh, various items are getting pulled from Triple H's arse, such as <laughs> a sledgehammer, um, one of those magic handkerchief things that magicians use, uh, the ones that can go on forever, um, a hand... A gear uh, stick, <laughs> a squirrel, a steering wheel, and uh, Triple H's own head as well. Wait, wait, wait. Triple H's... Oh, okay, okay, his own head comes out of his ass, gotcha. Yeah, because he's got his... Yeah, his head's off his ass, yep. Yeah, that's it, get it? Joke, funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in the arena, this makes Triple H mad, so he starts beating up the mannequin in the ring. He's mad at that? Yeah. He said, a, he said another person fucked a corpse, and he's mad at that? <laughs> <laughs> he will not be made a fool of. He's Triple H. Uh. Kane comes out to fight him, leading to Eric Bischoff and the referees coming out to break it up. Bischoff books Kane versus Triple H for tonight's main event in a casket match. And the match takes place, and Kane wins. Not not clean, though. He needs help from Shawn Michaels, who appears from one of the caskets, and hits Triple H with the sweet chin music. And hey, the feud's over. It's done. Thank fuck. Yeah, but Kane didn't win the heavyweight championship or his Intercontinental Championship back and will forever be branded as a corpse fucker. So, yeah. does that feel like a good way for the baby face to get a bit of shine on the I was going to say, has got a hell of a fucking shine there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> WWE it's... and booking baby faces. Name a worse combination. My God. That's it. That's the complete history of Katie Vick. And, like, I mean, we spoke about this before the show, dudes. Obviously, we don't agree with what Kane has turned into in recent years um, or what he's always been behind the scenes. But um, I was such a big fan of Kane around this time and so were a lot of other people. He was fucking over. uh, Maybe the most he's ever been in his career and this feud just totally killed him. It wasn't until he unmasked uh, that he garnered a little bit more interest in his character again. 
The storyline, as we said earlier, is cited as the worst in pro wrestling history, and you can see why. But hey, there was a different idea in mind for the Katie Vick character once upon a time. And this is something I literally found out in my research. I had no clue. But there was a wrestler who was meant to debut using the name Vic, which is what prompted the creation of Katie Vick. Did you know that? Who was the wrestler? Do you remember Sick Boy? Yes. His real name's Scott Vick. Oh. And according with something to wrestle with, with Bruce Pritchard, eh, fuck you, Conrad. This storyline was originally meant to be a way to debut him on the main roster. So he was supposed to come in and feud with Ivor Kane or Triple H, but it turns out that his dark matches were the drizzling shits, so Vince McMahon pulled the plug uh, on his involvement and opted for a bit of big corpse fucking instead, you know? Wait, wait, so K- Kane was supposed to fuck Sick Boy? Yeah, why not? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say yes. <laughs> That makes way more sense. More like Dick Boy, am I right? Hey! hey. That's the end of the show, folks. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Uh, Vince, of course, um, he famously called the Triple H coffin segment high comedy. But yeah, the, the entire storyline was just a, a collaborative effort between Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, Brian Gerowitz and Michael Hayes. So if you want to point the finger at this, as uh, someone for this, then I guess they're the guys. Now, obviously, the best way to fantasy book this story is to not just book it at all. Like, yep. just go back in time and make it not happen. But that's not enough of a challenge for us, apparently. So... The next best thing is rebooking it, which is exactly what we're going to do now. So here we go. Let's rebook Katie fucking Vic. All right, so I just want to pre-warn everybody that I'm going to have to do fucking backflips to make this story work. So bear with me. Um, We're going to have to change quite a lot here, but yeah... There's a fair amount, fair amount we're still going to keep the same. I genuinely believe that this storyline is somewhat salvageable if you make a few alterations, so... Alright, here we go. October 7th Raw. So, on October 7th, 2002 episode of Raw, uh, which is where this began in real life, we're going to keep that mostly the same. We have to keep this the same because it's a launching point for the entire story, and also... I want to prove that even with WWE mentioning Katie Vick and Kane's apparent murder of her, we can still concoct a storyline which doesn't involve corpse fucking. The only slight changes we're making here is that instead of Kane apparently killing Katie Vick 10 years ago, it's only going to be 4 years ago. And the reasons for this will be revealed soon. Uh, Also, through the show, there's going to be multiple references to the title unification match coming up at No Mercy, Kane with his Intercontinental title and Triple H with his world title. So yeah... Just to review, Hurricane still gets attacked backstage, which means Kane still wins the TLC single-handedly. Triple H still comes out, end of the show, drops the bomb, that is Katie Vick on Kane. So we end on that cliffhanger. Who is Katie Vick? How did Kane apparently kill her? Why does Triple H know this? We'll have to find out next week. Monday Night Raw, October 14th, 2002. This is the night where Kane is forced to confess about Katie Vick. Because Triple H threatens that if Kane doesn't talk about what happened, then he will. So Kane's going to come out in the show with a microphone, and he's going to tell the whole world about Katie Vick. Now, I'm going to make one major, one major key change to this story. 
which changes the trajectory of the real life story, but it fits so much better with Kane's already established backstory, in my opinion. So, listen to this. Katie Vick was not Kane's friend. Kane wasn't attending parties, he wasn't drinking, he wasn't driving with Katie Vick. And that's because, obviously, if you follow the Kane lore, it's assumed that he didn't really have a social life due to an extremely traumatic event which happened in his childhood. So yeah, Katie Vick wasn't a high school friend or whatever. Katie Vick was Kane's therapist. Okay. And in my opinion, this makes so much more sense when you take Kane's backstory into account because, realistically... Kane wouldn't have been kept in a dark room as a child for a decade or whatever after The Undertaker burned his parents' house down. He would have been referred to therapy to help him deal with that traumatic event. And this is the story that Kane is going to tell the audience in regards to Katie Vick. So, as had been established in the WWF storyline, Kane's larynx or voice box was severely damaged in a house fire. Uh, in the house fire. And this led to him not being able to speak for a very long time without severe pain. So Kane tells the story about how Katie Vick would communicate with him through sign language. And then she would spend hours upon hours of him every day having conversations with him via the medium of sign language. And this was huge because it was literally the first time Kane had communicated with anyone since the house fire. Kane talks about how he had three other therapists before Katie Vick, but he didn't like them because they very clearly didn't care about him. They were just there to earn their paycheck and then go the fuck home. There was absolutely no bonds. But then Katie came along and Katie, Katie was special. She made him not hate therapy. Katie worked with Kane for three years and their bond only kept growing during that time. But back in 1998, the clinic in which the therapy took place, it caught fire. And Kane doesn't go into details about what started the fire, but he talks about being in the middle of a therapy session with Katie Vick, and then all of a sudden, the room fills with smoke. The building's fire alarms didn't sound off. It turns out they hadn't been safety tested in years, so the fire caught them both by surprise. They exited the room, into the hallways, and made for the building's exit, but when Kane got outside to the fresh air, there was no Katie. She must have fallen along the way. Fire is obviously extremely traumatising to Kane. It's literally the reason he ended up in therapy, so he didn't notice Katie dropping off. And upon realising that Katie was absent, Kane desperately tried to go back and save her, but the firefighters stopped him because it was too dangerous. It took eight firefighters to eventually hold Kane back, and by the time the rookies had calmed down, it was definitely too late. Katie was gone, and to this day, Kane feels awful about it. He thinks about Katie all the time and wishes that things had gone differently that day. So the crowd will probably be in a stunned silence at this point. And hey, it's a, it's a hell of a reach, but in my opinion, it makes a lot more sense than Kane attending a party and then drinking and driving, resulting in his friend's death. But hey, if Kane delivers this right, then they're going to start feeling sympathy for him and cheering for him. And I mean, tr Triple H basically made him relive one of the worst moments of his life and then forced him to talk about it in front of millions of people around the world. You know, it's a bit of a dick move, so... And then, of course, who comes out onto the stage but that bastard Triple H with the world title over his shoulder. He isn't buying one cent of what Kane is saying here. He points a finger at Kane and speaks into the microphone, saying, When are you going to get to the part where you murdered her, Kane? 
I think this audience gets the feeling that you're not telling the whole truth here, buddy. So how about I help you? Sure, there was a fire. That much is obvious with the burned building that was left behind. But what you didn't mention is that you started that fire, Kane. You and your sinister obsession with fire. You started the fire to give the perfect excuse for her death because the part you missed out is that Katie was possibly already dead before the fire was started. See, I hired a private investigator to look into this and he told me that since Katie's body was so badly burned, it was damn near unidentifiable. And it wasn't just the fire alarms that were non-functional in that building, it was the CCTV too, which means you couldn't be caught starting the fire in the first place, you pyromaniac. So even though the cops found matches and lighter fluid in your room, they couldn't prove that you did it. That's how you got away with it, right Kane? That's how it went unreported that this company hired a murderer when they brought you on board. But I think it's time the world knew the real story, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, he's gotten away with it for four years, but the truth is finally out. Kane, the man who you all seem to adore, is nothing more than a cold, calculated, murdering monster. And Raw's going to end there with Kane breaking down in the middle of the ring, screaming it's not true, it's not true. Triple H holds the World Heavyweight Championship high above his head as Jim Ross and Jared Lawler on commentary plug the upcoming title unification match at No Mercy. Hey, Dylan, close your eyes. I don't want to do, I don't want to fall for this again. Close your eyes. Okay. Okay, now open them. All right. Oh, wait a minute, that, 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 that didn't work. Try again, close your eyes. Okay. Uh, open them. Yep. What the fuck? What? What's we still going here? On uh, one more try. Don't close your eyes. Alrighty. Open them. Okie doke. We're at No Mercy 2002. Oh my god! Oh, son of a bitch! I don't know you what did happened. Did it to me there. again? Yeah, I don't know what happened there. It almost didn't, didn't didn't happen. But for a so... brief moment, I was truly happy. You were, you were in bliss, but then No Mercy came around, so that's just that's just how, how the cookie crumbles, mate. Ruins everything. Bloody No Mercy. Bloody No Mercy, but we get to No Mercy 2002. It's October 20th, and on a card which features such highlights as Undertaker vs. Brock Lesnar and Hell in a Cell and Stevie Richards vs. The Hurricane, it is clear that the most <laughs> talked about match is Triple H vs. Kane. Wait, 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 wait. Stevie Richards vs. The Hurricane? Yes. It sounds like big news, dude. It's big news, but it's only slightly depopularized by the Katie Vick storyline. Which one of them murdered somebody in their storyline? Um, I mean, it's got to be the Hurricane, because Kane, you know? See, I would have said Stevie Richards, because the Hurricane's a good guy. He's a superhero. But he's, he can do a heel turn and be a supervillain. Right, what if that's his, his backstory? Ooh. That's what made him a superhero, is he killed somebody. He killed a guy. Like, Never again. Yeah, exactly. I'm never ever going to kill someone again. <laughs> yeah. And, Steve and the cops like, are like, Sweet. okay, as long as you're going to be a superhero. Yeah. Off you go. Off you. <laughs> you're he free to leave, away. sir. Yeah. Um, somewhere near the start of the show, we're going to see Triple H and Ric Flair backstage laughing about how they outed Kane last week. However, the crucial thing here is that Triple H, perhaps ominously, says... We've successfully traumatised the Big Red Idiot. Now it's time to enter the final phase of our plan. And the camera's cut off there, and we go to the next match. 
Kane versus Triple H is coming up later tonight, and clearly Triple H has something up his sleeve. Now, before we get there, you may recall that I told you at the start of this booking that I'd have to do backflips with the storyline here, and I wasn't lying. I'm gonna have to do uh, a fucking double backflip through hoops of fire for this next part because, well, to advance this storyline, Dylan, we are gonna make Katie Vick an on-screen character. Oh dear. Now, listeners, you're probably wondering, she's dead. And then, the, the more experienced of you may be also remembering, perhaps with extreme trepidation, how I have been known to include zombies in the occasional booking. But fear not, there's no zombies this time around. I mean, that probably would have improved things, to be fair. I mean, it's, I guess, like, being dead didn't stop her appearing in no segments of Triple H, but... It's true. <laughs> I guess it wouldn't stop her, but... Um, at this pay-per-view we're going to learn that Katie Vick is not actually dead. Bear with me. Bear with me here. Bear with me. Backflips, backflips, backflips. So, we get to the match. It's Triple H putting his World Heavyweight Championship up against Kane's Intercontinental Championship. Winner takes all, because the titles will be unified at the end of the match. I'm not going to dictate the match move for move, obviously, but the ending of the match is going to be particularly interesting. Towards the end of the match, it looks as though Kane is about to do it. He's about to beat Triple H. He's just hit wee trips with the top rope flying clothesline, and he's setting up for the choke slam, which will surely end the match. But then, Ric Flair appears at the top of the ramp. He has a microphone, and he's shouting down at Kane frantically to try and get his attention. He's saying, hey Kane, hey Kane, hey Kane. I got a little surprise for you. Hey, look up here. You're going to want to see this. I want you to meet my new friend. Her name is Casey. And the cameras get a perfect shot of a woman in her early to mid-30s appearing at the top of the ramp. She looks scared, uncomfortable, apologetic, all at the same time. She clearly does not want to be there. And Kane's reaction says it all. He stops in his tracks. He looks horrified and confused at the sight of the woman who Ric Flair has brought out. There is no doubt in anyone's mind that this is Katie Vick. So before we get into what happens next, I want to talk a bit about who plays Katie Vick. And I'll tell you straight up, I had a lot of trouble with this. Sick boy. My initial I... Sick boy. <laughs> Done. <laughs> pretty, that's pretty it, sick, dude. It could have been. It could have been. actually could have been. But like my initial idea was to have somebody in the business play her. You know, somebody like a developmental wrestler. So so I looked through the Ohio Valley Wrestling results from 2002, and seriously, there were barely any women on that roster in 2002. Um, the options were either tough enough winners, like Nydia and Linda Miles, or main roster competitors like Vittoria and Charmel, with not much in between. And then I looked at the WWE roster in, say, 2002-2003 to see who was on the roster and who debuted around that time, and still... With the story in mind, it's slim pickings because Katie Vick can't be somebody the fans are already aware of with a backstory, you know? Right, it she's, can't be Lita. It can't be Lita, it can't be Nydia or Linda Miles or fucking Victoria, right? She, she's a fresh character, so on the main roster, my choices were only really women who were prominently featured in like WCW and ECW, like Tori Wilson, Stacey Keebler, Don Marie. So man, I was at a total fucking loss of who to put in this role. The only thing I can think of is for WWE to hire an actor specifically to play this role, which has obviously been done 
with varying success in wrestling. Um, Dario Cueto, the general manager of Lucha Underground, he was a hired actor. Dr. Shelby, from the famous Team Hell No segments, he was an actor, so I think that's the best option here, but, like, make it a good actor, because, you know, we don't want this to be another clear lynch. Uh... And also, I suppose having Katie Vick actually wrestle would be fucking weird anyway. You know, why would she Why would she be competent as a wrestler? She's a therapist, not a wrestler. Anyway, that was a massive tangent, but I just had to go through some of my thought process there. Uh, so I wasn't, like, it deemed as going for a cop-out option. You know, just bringing an actor kind of thing. But we're back at No Mercy 2002. And Ric Flair has just ushered out Katie Vick onto the top of the ramp. And of course, Kane is confused. But more importantly, he is distracted. He completely loses focus in the match, which allows Triple H to turn him round, give him a gut kick and hit him with the pedigree. Triple H covers Kane for the 1-2-3 and successfully wins the match, unifying the World Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. And as Kane is recovering in the ring, Triple H joins Ric Flair at the top of the entrance ramp, celebrating his victory. Well, Triple H and Flair are celebrating. Katie Vick just looks like she absolutely does not want to be there. Kane rolls onto his front and locks eyes with Katie Vick. She looks back and then looks away, and the show ends. So, I kind of just Russo swerved the story, but there's a lot more to tell. Bear with me here. I think you Russo swerved if the, a corpse ends up on a pole. Are you? <laughs> oh. I'll just delete that part there. Cool. There we go. That is not in the story anymore. <laughs> The following night on Raw, World Heavyweight Champion Triple H walks out with his manager Ric Flair and of course, Katie Vick. And as they make their way to the ring, Jim Ross informs us that Kane and The Undertaker are set to defend their tag team titles tonight against Lance Storm and William Regal in the main event. And after he finishes saying this, Triple H has made his way into the ring with Flair and Vick and oh boy, he has a microphone. And Triple H starts by saying, well, isn't this a lovely surprise? He goes on to say that the private investigator he mentioned previously never stopped digging dirt, digging dirt on Kane. And Triple H actually asked the investigator to look into more reasons why Kane was never questioned by the police about the fire or about the death of Katie Vick. You know, did Daddy Paul Bearer maybe pay them off? Or was he questioned and it was just kept under wraps? Triple H admits that plan A was to have Kane arrested before No Mercy so that he didn't have to waste his time defending his world title against a murderer, but boy, did he get more than he bargained for with what the investigator came back with. H says, Kane, you should have seen the look in my face when the private investigator revealed that Katie Vick wasn't dead. Honestly, it's kind of the look you had in your face at No Mercy. I couldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. But then, some money changed hands and what do you know, here she is, in the flesh. But you people don't want to hear me talk, right? You want to hear what the living dead has to say for itself. So, without further ado, Katie Vick, tell them your story. And then Katie Vick shoots hard on Kane. Okay, not really. Um, in, in all seriousness. Um, so, to, to, to set the scene here, much like No Mercy... Uh, Katie Vick does not want to be here. She looks incredibly uncomfortable. You can see in her face that she hates this and one can only assume that Triple H has something on her because she seems light years out of her comfort zone. Anyway, Triple H gives her the mic and Katie Vick tells all. 
First off, she directly addresses Kane. She apologises to Kane for not reaching out to him sooner and expresses her abject depression over the fact that she's kept herself away from him for four years. This is not how she wanted this to go down, not at all. Katie Vick says that there's no easy way to say why she faked her own death to Kane, so she'll do her best to explain everything. She enjoyed their therapy sessions, she enjoyed his company, she cared about Kane, but she started seeing a different side of Kane when he debuted for the WWF back in 1997. She saw Kane's personality change when he came back to confront his brother, The Undertaker. And that wasn't the problem, per se, because it wasn't her that had the issues with this, it was her parents. And then her entire family, they were watching what Katie Vick's favourite client was doing to people on TV and they were worried for her safety. Kane placed his brother inside a coffin, he doused it in gasoline and set it on fire. Kane threw fireballs at women, he was making people bleed and doing other cruel things and that was all on TV and it was all seen by concerned family members of Katie Vick. Katie Vick's family thought that Katie would be next and they got in Katie's head to the point where Katie started to believe it too. She had to get out, she wanted to escape, but she didn't want Kane to think that she had left him because it would undo all the progress that he made under her therapy. And though she understands now it was a wrong decision, she thought that if she had died, then Kane would honour her by continuing his progress. And she sees today that Kane's a lot better. So anyway, Katie was trying to figure out ways to get out of the situation and she couldn't think of anything. And then the fire in the clinic came. It was unexpected, spontaneous, and to Katie's mind, it was perfect. So Katie separated herself from Kane when they were rushing out of the building and made her own way out. She ran past the firefighters and ran all the way to her home, where she then packed up her bags and moved to the next day. She goes on to say that she never wanted Kane to find out and that she is so sorry, but then... Triple H snatches the mic out of her hand and says, You hear that, Kane? You were such a loser, such a freak, that she faked her own death to get away from you. Isn't that hilarious? And Triple H and Ric Flair, they cackle in the middle of the ring as Katie Vick breaks down, tears streaming down her face. Without entrance music, Kane walks out onto the top of the ramp and just stares at Katie. And Katie stares back. Kane leaves without saying a word as Triple H and Ric Flair continue to guffaw at the situation. Later that night, it's Kane and the Hurricane defending their tag team titles against Landstorm and William Regal in the main event. And as the bell rings, Kane steps off the apron and walks up the ramp dejected, leaving his partner the Hurricane to take on Storm and Regal solo. Needless to say, it doesn't last long. About five minutes later, Kane and the Hurricane have lost the tag team titles. Raw ends with Triple H and Ric Flair watching on a screen backstage as Katie Vick sits on a sofa in the background, head in her hands. So basically, Katie Vick's reappearance has shocked Kane to the point where he's just given up. It's a shame that the poor Hurricane got caught in the chaos of all this, but Kane honestly doesn't give the Hurricane a second thought. He feels completely betrayed by Katie Vick, who is one of the only people he's ever cared for. And hey, perhaps rightfully so. I mean, faking your death is one thing, but this is how Kane finds out? With her hanging around with Triple H of all fucking people? Kane has every right to be struggling to come to terms with this situation. Also bear in mind, we still don't know why Katie Vick is actually hanging around with Triple H right now. I mean, she clearly wants to do anything but this. She hates it, so what does Triple H have on Katie Vick? Well, 
Maybe we'll find out in the next couple of weeks, so stay patient. We'll get there. On the October 28th Raw, there's going to be no Kane, but we do get an announcement from General Manager Eric Bischoff. He's going to say that due to the circumstances of Kane's loss at No Mercy, Kane is due to have another shot at the world title. This means that at Survivor Series 2002, we're going to have the rematch. Triple H versus Kane for the World Heavyweight Championship. And that may seem like a strange move from a heel general manager to make, but it's all explained in the next segment when we see Triple H, Ric Flair and Katie Vick all sitting in Triple H's private suite. Triple H basically is certain that he has run Kane out of the business. I mean, last week was a pretty good indication of that, right? What kind of guy just walks away from his championship gold like Kane did in last week's tag match, right? If Kane was wanting to stay in the business, surely he would have stayed and fought with his tag team partner to retain those titles, but no, he walked. And Triple H says, I'm pretty damn sure he's going to walk out on this, too. So Triple H anticipates an easy night at Survivor Series. Will he get the night off due to Kane's no-showing? I guess we'll see. Alright, next week, November 4th, we are going to see the return of Kane. But not in the arena. We're going to have a segment in the backstage area with Kane and Katie Vick, as well as a mediator, which will make Jim Ross. And JR is basically there to prompt the discussion between the two so they can clear any air. Um, <laughs> of course, with Katie Vick faking her death, there's a metric fuck-ton of air to clear, so JR's got a huge task ahead of him here. But Kane... Kane only wants to know one thing. He accepts why Katie left, as much as it hurts him to admit. He doesn't agree with the way she went about it, simply disappearing, but yeah, he accepts it. The thing he wants to know is, why did she have to come back this way? Why with Triple H, whose only goal is to torment Kane? Katie could have done this in so many other ways, but aligning herself with Triple H in front of the entire world? Kane's entire life has been forced into the public eye because of his father, Paul Bearer, and his brother, The Undertaker. This was one part of his life that could have been kept private, but alas, it wasn't to be. So Kane just wants to know why. And Katie Vick has an explanation for him. She once again says that this is not the way she wanted Kane to find out, but she kind of had no choice. She lets Kane know about struggles in her personal life. When she left the state after the fire to start a new life, she couldn't get work. She very quickly fell on hard times, not being able to pay rent or even, at certain points, afford food for herself. On top of that, her relationship with her family broke down and basically she was completely on her own, barely surviving. Things were going so bad for her that she wasn't sure what to do. She was in a really tough spot. But then, out of the blue, Triple H got in touch with her. First of all, she wasn't happy with the idea of a private investigator looking into her, and worst of all, finding her, but Triple H promised to solve all of her money and living condition concerns. All she had to do was come clean about leaving Kane. Triple H didn't mention anything about doing it on national TV. That part was hidden in the small print of a contract he made Katie sign. Katie feels stupid for not reading the entire contract, but she was desperate. She needed the money, but she completely regrets the last few weeks, and of course what she did in 1998, and says that if she could go back and change everything, she would. And Kane stays silent. But then Katie mentions that the contract she signed, it runs out on Saturday, the 16th of November, one day before her Survivor Series. And if Kane's willing to listen, she has an idea of how she can start to make things right between them. And the segment ends there. 
So, to review, Triple H does hold something over Katie Vick, which is why she's appearing with him. He has her under an employment contract, part of which involved her spilling the beans on her disappearance, so to speak, on television too. Basically, she's got herself into a hell of a spot, but she wants to fix things for Kane because she takes the blame for a lot of what has happened here. Obviously, it's not all as black and white as that. We know, um, you know, we know why Katie felt like she had to disappear in the first disappear in the first place, but that's the gist of the story so far. Anyway, Monday Night Raw, November 11th, 2002. It's the go-home show for Survivor Series. And in the main event segment of the show, we have Triple H and Ric Flair confronting Katie Vick. Triple H saw last week's segment with her, Kane and GR, and he is not happy. He brings Katie to the ring and starts lambasting her for meeting with Kane last week. He asks her, Who said you could speak to Kane, huh? Our contract does not stipulate that you can speak to Kane without my say-so. Do you understand that I could take you to court immediately for this? One five-minute phone call to my lawyer and it could all be done. And if that were to happen, you'd lose all the money I gave you for this in the first place. And Triple H is getting angrier and angrier as he goes on. Katie just stands there with a blank face, letting it go all in one ear and out the other. This obviously doesn't help Triple H's rage, so he goes on. Do you understand how much you've ruined things? You've made Kane want to fight me at Survivor Series, and it ain't myself I'm worried for. He's not going to be in the right state of mind after what you did to him. You screwed this entire thing up, Katie. Maybe, maybe it would be better if you did die in that fire. The crowd obviously boo Triple H for that. Uh, Triple H is going too far here. Katie is still showing no emotion, though. She's simply running down her contract at this point. The game continues. I know that your contract ends the day before my match with Kane. I'm not an idiot. You think you're going to screw me at Survivor Series, Katie? You think you're going to screw me? And then all of a sudden, Katie snaps around and rips the microphone from Triple H's hand. She replies to Triple H's question on whether she's going to screw him over at Survivor Series and simply says, I don't need to. And at that point, Kane's music hits, and out comes the Big Red Machine. It's his first appearance in front of a live crowd since losing the tag team titles. The crowd are obviously going to go fucking crazy for Kane as he runs down to the ring and knocks Ric Flair out with one punch. He and the- <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny, but like the idea that 73-year-old Ric Flair is getting ready for a match nowadays, <laughs> where like 20 years ago, all you had to do was punch him in the face and he's died. Yeah, but the idea is that like Ric Flair would sell it so great, he'd sell it like a tree, kind of like. Yeah, I mean it, over, it makes you know? sense. You know, Kane's angry; he's a big dude, but also like you know, what one mean? punch, bush, yeah. he's out. Um, <laughs> but then he and Triple H they exchange rights and lefts before Kane gets the better of him, grabbing him by the throat, lifting him up high, and delivering one of the most impactful choke slams ever. He raises his arms to the sky, he thrusts them down and fire will erupt from the turnbuckles. Kane is back and he's got his sights set on Triple H and his World Heavyweight Championship. As Triple H and Ric Flair stagger up the ramp, Katie Vick joins them, such as the terms of her contract, but she does flash a brief smile at Kane in the ring, clearly approving of what just happened. Triple H grabs Katie Vick by the arm and leads her away as Raw ends, with Survivor Series just six days away and the end of Katie Vick's contract just five days away. And here we are. Survivor Series 2002, which takes place November 17th in front of 18,000 people at Madison Square Garden. In the main event, you have Triple H defending his World Heavyweight Championship against Kane in the Ultimate Grudge Match. 
Triple H has tormented Kane for weeks upon weeks and now it's finally time for the Big Red Machine to extract a little bit of revenge on the Cerebro Assassin. And in the match we're going to have it once again look like Kane is likely to win. He's going to be setting trips up for a chokeslam but then out comes Ric Flair again. He runs down to the ring to no doubt cause some kind of distraction but then we see that following Ric Flair is none other than Katie Vick. Vic is running after Flair, and as they both hit ringside, Katie taps Flair on the shoulder, Flair turns around, sees Katie Vic, and then gets pepper sprayed right in the fucking eyes. Ric Flair sells the pepper spray like death as a camera switched to the ring, but oh no, the distraction worked because Kane turns round right into a gut kick from Triple H. The World Heavyweight Championship sets Kane up for the pedigree, but Kane counters into a back body drop. Triple H hits the canvas hard and soon hits it even harder when Kane lifts him up and slams him down with an epic explosive choke slam. One, two, three, Kane is the new heavyweight champion. And hey, why the fuck not, right? Why, why not? I mentioned during the catch up. Why not? Put the belt on him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the most convoluted fucking put the belt on him story ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are we going to put the belt on this guy? We got to make up some story about somebody being dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good starting point. It's the only way it. it'll work. <laughs> uh, I mentioned um, during the catch up just how blisteringly over Kane was at this point and how in real life the Katie Vick storyline killed his momentum. He was a massive babyface and he'd be a massive babyface in this story too. The audience would have sympathy for him due to his torment at the hands of Triple H and the situation surrounding Katie Vick as well. But also, they'd likely feel sympathy for Katie Vick too based on the, the reasons that she accepted Triple H's offer and how Triple H has been treating her while under his employee. Ultimately, Triple H gets his long overdue comeuppance in this story and the WWE end up with a majorly over face as champion. Also in real life, Triple H did actually lose the world title at Survivor Series 2002, so it was clearly the right time to take it off him. As for what you do from here, I guess it depends on the fans' reaction to Katie Vick, the character. If the fans dig Katie Vick, then I'd keep her on as Kate Kane's manager going forward. As an actor, she could bring a lot of good to future storylines, and she obviously adds another dimension to Kane's character. If the fan reaction isn't good, then this is a good place to end the story, really. Katie gives Triple H his due and helped Kane in the process. So nothing will undo what happened in the past, obviously, but she's made a, a noble effort to make things up to the Big Red Machine. From here, Kane can go on to have a dominant run as world champion with challengers like Chris Jericho, Booker T and Rob Van Dam next in line for a shot. Anyway, that's how I would book the infamous Katie Vick story. You know what I would have done at the end? Uh, after the match, you know, Kane don't, says, don't you fucking dare mention uh, fucking corpse fucking again. You have no idea what I was going to say. I, I have fucking every idea what you're going to you say. You don't know what I'm going to say. Go for it then. I mean, technically, fucking is involved, but more in like the <laughs> more well, like Kane in fucks Triple H. <laughs> more in the like wrestling, like somebody gets fucked over sense. Okay, right. I would have had Kane come out after the match. You know, he's beaten Triple H. And he's celebrating with Kitty Vick. I would have had him choke slam Kitty Vick. Oh. Just because I know that, you know, she's trying to make amends and stuff like this, but also Kane, number one, psychological issues. 
you know he's mm. had trauma she's inadvertently or not been a big part of like his trauma she's come back again back into his life she's made his life misery that might not all have been her fault but Kian's the kind of guy that just be like ah fuck you too you know yeah, I, I get that. I do get that. But at the same time, Kane is basically going to be pushed as a mega babyface after this. And yeah. it's like, choke slamming a woman is uh, not high on the list of, of baby things things to do. You say um, that. It, 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 you say that. But how fucking people loved that back then. They loved well, yeah. seeing people go through tables. Remember the Dudley boys were putting my young through a table? People, and they were like, they were trying to do that as heel heat. The fucking audience loved it. The audience still I, loves that. Yeah. I guess you're mean? right to an extent. Like, they'd probably pop for it, but at the same time, like this whole story is about how Kate Kane was just, uh, you know, Katie Vick was the only person that Kane really cared about. Um, yeah, you know, and like he, he wouldn't do that to her, even after all kind of he's been through here and all the kind of surprises and horrible kind of conclusions the story's reached. Um, you know, he still cares about Katie Vick, so yeah. why would they do that? He like, you know. Whether this is the end or the beginning of Katie Vick as Kane's manager, whatever it is, um, you know, Kane cares about that woman, man. So, you know, he, he wouldn't do that. That's fair enough. I mean, like I said, that's what I would have done if I was booking it. And you're like, why would he have done that? I'm like, because I told him to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It, it, it would work. I mean, it's, it, it's a very... It's a very 2002 WWE thing yeah, to do, definitely. So that's the yeah. thing. Like, you wouldn't do it now, but, like, back then, you're like, I mean, given what, given the storyline we are talking about, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, given <laughs> what they the did do thing. in 2002, <laughs> I think that's the least bad thing that happened to Katie Beck that entire year, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, obviously, you had quite an uphill struggle, like you said, to be able to make this, you know, even halfway good. But I think <laughs> that what you. I think, yeah, what you did was you changed, like, the right amount of stuff to make it make more sense, you know? So, like, her being a therapist instead of a girlfriend and then them meeting a therapy instead of, like, at a party, you know what I mean? Like, that that totally makes sense as opposed to the way the WWE did it, which was, even if you forget the ridiculousness of the storyline itself... Like yeah. no, that didn't work with Kane's character. It seemed so out of out of place. It was very strange. So at least yours has more of a like historical. Like you know, they're not forgetting about the because that felt like the every step of the way with Kane, they would just forget more and more of his character. That's the problem. You know man. what I mean? Like with, with with the story, I tried to keep Kane's backstory at the front of my mind. Yeah, um, because like it's got to make sense. It's got to. Wrestling's dumb at the fucking best of times, but it's. I like it when it's logical, you know? Yeah, but, but that's it. Like, so long as it's logical within its own world, then it's okay. Yeah. It doesn't have to make sense in the real world because it doesn't. It's fiction. But yeah. in, in every fiction story, they still have ground rules that that story follows. And if yeah. if that story starts to break the own rules that they've made, then, you're like, then you lose. They're not interested because you're like, well, this story doesn't even know what it's doing. You know, that's a, like that's a thing with like all fiction. And WWE will do that sometimes too. Like you said, the Keenan uh, storyline is a perfect example of that, where they'll just kind of conveniently forget stuff so that they can mm. move on to the next bit. Well, you're like, right, but you've already laid the groundwork here. Instead of expanding upon this story, you just kind of give up on it and did something to start talking about corpse fucking. And you're like, that's not <laughs> always the best scenario. Not even talking about corpse fucking either. Yeah, showing it on fucking TV. Showing, yeah. It's weird. <laughs> 
but to, oh. to to go along not but to go along with the corpse business but to go along with the storyline business like do you think the fire that um Katie Vick was involved in and you know it keeps it, it makes sense with Kean you know what I mean you you've kept storylines making sense hmm. which I really liked I like the idea of her having like no other option you know like she be she didn't know what else to do and she saw an opportunity and she kind of took it and obviously she feels remorse about it but mm. you know it's in the past that all made sense and then of course triple h like paying her off like that's something triple h would do yeah you know he's a big old evil heel it's very cerebral he is he's very cerebral so i feel like you you like you said you had to do some backflips to explain the story but i feel like you did explain the story like you explained it better than they did yeah you know what I mean? They were like, "Fuck the corpse, see ya, I no mercy, it bitch." You know, like yeah. that's that's what the storyline was. You're like this doesn't make yeah. any sense. But at least you like laid the groundwork for it to make sense, and then gave it a satisfying conclusion, right? Hmm. Which again, the WWE didn't even do that. The casket match. There you go. You get your win back. One thing <laughs> I do, I think this is a missed opportunity. And again, this is just me. But you had Ric Flair involved, right? Yeah. I would have went with Kitty Rick. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you say Katie Vick or did you say Katie Vick and then Ric Flair comes out? Because Triple H would have done that too. Yeah. Here's a parody segment that nobody likes. It goes on for 25 minutes. <laughs> Katie Rick. I was saying Katie Rick. <laughs> Katie Rick. It's Rick Flair with a big fucking wig on. Oh no. Yes. <laughs> Is that better or that... worse than corpse fucking? Oh right, okay, better, but I mean come on. It's yeah, but, fucking... but just a bite. <laughs> it's just about, yeah. A percentile better. It is a, it's a fine line. But uh yeah, like I said, I think that you you had an uphill struggle to make sense of this, and I think you did a you know you did it. You were able to I, to make Kitty Vic make sense, Kitty Rick make sense. Kitty Rick, um, no, my thank you. It's a, it definitely was an uphill battle uh, to make some sense out of this. It was a challenge I wanted to set myself, and uh, yeah, every now and then I like to kind of give myself a proper challenge, and this is one of them, and. Yeah, hopefully it turned out okay. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it, listeners. But hey, we're not done yet. We're, we're not even done yet. We've got more to do in this show. Let's do Kayfair Tambola. All right, it's time for everyone's favourite mini-game. It's Kayfair Tambola. If today's episode is your first experience in making kayfabe, then first of all, <laughs> what a fucking Christ. choice. What a fucking <laughs> choice you've made, man. God, I'm so, we're so, so sorry. <laughs> we apologize. Did you have to hear the phrase corpse fucking 17 times? At least, uh, in the first fucking 10 minutes. Uh, but <laughs> you may not be familiar with kayfabe Zambola, so very briefly, here are the rules. I have four wrestlers and four wacky scenarios here, numbered 1 to 4 and lettered A to D, which have been submitted by one of our awesome listeners. The host who has not covered today's main story, which is Dylan, will pick a random number-letter combination and then he will have 60 seconds-ish to improvise the greatest wrestling storyline possible based on what he has selected. Today's Tombola comes from Matthew Dawkins, at DawkinsMP on Twitter. 
we actually briefly mentioned uh, Matthew in our next episode. Um, he's a fella who writes and develops uh, tabletop RPGs. Oh, uh, yeah. You can check out his RPGs like Vampire the Masquerade and They Came From Beyond the Grave at MatthewDawkins.com. And Katie Ma- Vick, the board game. When, oh, when is the board game? When is he going to make a tabletop RPG about uh, making kayfabe? I mean, it's about time, right? Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, because of what you've done today, Katie Vick will have to be involved with it. Yeah, yeah she'll be the final boss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matthew has submitted a great tombola today, Dylan. So without further ado, can you give me your finest number letter combination? Yes, I would like to talk about the fourth dimension, time. So I'm going to go with a 4D, please. 4D? 4D? <laughs> I like it. Fourth dimension. You got another one in there. I'm always trying to think of new ones. Always trying to think of new ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Do you want to know who you could have had? Yes, please. Katie Vick. You could have All had. the way down. <laughs> it's all Katie Vick. It's, it's just book your own Katie Vick. All Katie, here. all the time. <laughs> you could have had Wild Man Mark Merrill. <laughs> You probably saw that one coming with who, who submitted to Dumbola. Oh, boy. <laughs> we'll get to him eventually. We'll get him one, one day, mm. one day. I really do want to book Mark Merrow at some point. I know you do. We're going to do it. Mm. It's going to happen. Like Between season 7 and like 25, it'll be done. He does definitely. a really good moonsault. He does. He's for a boxer. Yeah. A boxer yeah, who does a moonsault. Fucking weird. The theme music um, is banging. Yeah. All right. Enough, enough of the fucking Mark Merrow praise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you could have had La Parca. <laughs> you didn't get La Parca. Dang. You could have had Hugh Morris. <laughs> wait, wait, does La Parca do a moonsault? Because Hugh Morris does a moonsault. Probably. Ah, I don't think the next guy does though. Oh. Yeah, I don't think the next guy does. So the guy the, the person you actually chose, you're gonna love this. Here's a fucking blast right from the past. You got Damien Demento. <laughs> Fuck. Remember him? Yep. <laughs> Do you remember the fucking early days of like, like early 2000s where he had his own website or something or YouTube page and he was yeah. like just shooting on people? Yeah. He was the original man. He was uh, the OG the shooter. What? The you OG know? shooter, yeah. Yeah, these days like everybody's got their own shoot interviews. Damien Demento's out there, you know, trailblazing. Mm, absolutely. Where, where would Conrad Thompson be without the, the good work that Damien Demento did? Be sucking dicks under a bridge. That's what we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, to, and to be fair, like my, my my contribution to this is fuck Conrad Thompson, right? Thank you. That's a good, excellent point you've just. Made. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I had to take a stand there. I had to. Well, you um, know, somebody's got to say it. Yeah, it had to be said, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everyone was thinking it. But, oh yeah. No, I came out and said it. So, do you know what Damien Demento was doing? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what he's not doing. Damien Demento is not competing in the first ever Savagery in the Sauna match. Thank the good lord. <laughs> Damien Demento is also not attempting a bank heist, which completely goes wrong. <laughs> okay. Damien Demento has not kidnapped the mayor's daughter. <laughs> I know which mayor he could. Yeah, which mayor could you possibly do? Mm. <laughs> which mayor has been in the news today? <laughs> All right, you've got Damien Demento is given the leading role 
in the newest version of The Expendables. Ooh. Remember The Expendables? Yes. It had like every action hero ever in it, right? And Steve Austin. Well, Steve Austin's an action hero. Uh-huh. He was in The Condemned. Was it action-packed? Yeah. Have you seen it? It's packed with action. Have you seen it? It's got Vinnie Jones in it. <laughs> but I have seen it, yeah. Isn't he Vinnie Jones in Expendables too? He's in it as well, because he's also action-packed. He's also an action-packed superstar. Yeah, action-packed man, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. It's got everyone. It's got like it's, it's got Arnie. It's got Lucifer Stallone. It's got um, like Bruce Willis. Uh, Jason Bruce Willis. Jason Statham. Like fucking uh, Van Damme. You know all these kind of guys. So, Optimus yeah. Prime. Opti- maybe, maybe, maybe a different movie. But yeah, maybe in this one. But we'll see. That's mm-hmm. it. You could have Optimus Prime. Could be the Transformers edition. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about Damien Demento? Damien fucking Demento being given the leading role in the newest version of The Expendables. Is Damien Demento still alive? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he, he was so over, you would hear about him dying, right? Um, I guess. He's still alive. 63 years old. Oh my 63 God, years 63. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, that's fine, yeah. Okay. He's doing all right. Yeah, yeah. He was in Die Hard. He wasn't in Die Hard. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Demon Demento. Yep. I wikipedia oh, him. Yeah. No he, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see. Hang on. He played Eric. You're not doing a bit here. Nope. So it's perfect. He would be perfect for the Expendables. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I just checked it myself. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I just... You go to Demon Demento's Wikipedia page. You look under filmography. Yep. <laughs> there's, there's a film. <laughs> I want a film, though. <laughs> That's a good film to be in, to be fair. Is if you're gonna go, if you're gonna star in one film, we won't doubt your fucking stars in it. But if you're gonna be in one film, it's got to be Die Hard, right? He's about to be in two films. Oh my god, that's hilarious! His filmography is like one film long. <laughs> Acting, not for him. Oh, have you seen? Have you seen Die Hard with a Vengeance? Uh, many years ago, many many years ago. Do you remember him in it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, he's the best one. That's it, yeah. He yeah. was uh, the main character, right? He was total, um, yeah. Uh, the wife beater on, you know. Yeah, that's it. John John McLean, right? Yeah, looked a bit like yeah. Bruce Willis. Yeah, and he yeah. always said "Jippy Kaye, motherfucker." Yeah, yeah, always. He wouldn't shut the fuck up. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And he's got Samuel Jackson. He's his friend. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll be. Right. Right. I haven't seen Die Hard with a Vengeance, so I don't fucking know. You haven't? No. Oh, what's wrong with you? Anyway, uh, lots of um, things. We don't have time for that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of the many things. Yeah. All right. That's your tumble. You ready to go? <laughs> yeah. Let's fucking let's just. Do all it. right, Dylan. You're gonna have sixty seconds to tell me all about Damien Demento being given the leading role in the newest version of The Expendables. Here we go. Three, two, one. Get to the chopper. All right. So The Expendables is a film where all the action hero people are in it. And the man who made the Expendables, but did Sylvester Stallone make the, make that film? Let's see. Yes, I don't. I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. So he's making this new one, Expendables Five. More spending, and he's <laughs> looking for dudes to do it. But Bruce Willis can't do it because Bruce Willis is like he's retired from acting now because he's got a thing. So um, he's like, well, who else was in Die Hard with a Vengeance? And he looks through the thing. And like, None of these guys are good. <laughs> well, he's just Demon Demento guy. And then he goes and looks and sees him at wrestling. He's all like jacked up and shit from wrestling. Even though this was like 30 years ago, he's still like, wow, look at this dude. He looks like a tough old man. This would be perfect. I'll bring him on. 
So he signs Damien DeMento for big money. And he's like, you're the new guy in our Expendables film. But he's never like spoken to him face-to-face. He just emailed him. So then Damien DeMento turns up on the on the uh, film set. He's all like, Rawr. you know, but he looks like no. <laughs> and then Sylvester Stallone's like, good enough. All right, action. And so the, he doesn't remember any of his lines. So they have to like uh, put big cue cards in front of him. And he has to like adjust his glasses so he can read all the cue cards. So then it's, um, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone says, all right, scratch this. Here's what we're going to do. It's going to be a silent film, The Expendables, <laughs> but quietly. And then uh, nobody says anything in The Expendables, but the only noises are explosions. Like, And then um, the plot is Damien DeManto has to save the world from Godzilla. And he does. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Expendables 5, more spending, starring Damien DeManto. It's a silent film where Damien DeManto has to defeat Godzilla and he does. Yeah. I fucking love it. Take my money. Take my money. <laughs> uh, was that was that a minute? Uh, a minute thirty-five ish. So, oh, that's all right. Uh, that's ish. Yeah, I thought I was way over. That. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do enjoy how you roped in uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance into it. Uh, that that was that was very clever. I like that. You know, well, you know, we always try to keep things like real life. You know. I love, I love Sylvester Stallone looking down the list of actors in Die Hard of Avenging. He, he scrolls past like Samuel Jackson. He scrolls past like all these big names and goes down to a fucking character that probably appeared in the film for two minutes. Well, you know, but yeah, but he looked at the fucking wrestler like, "Wow, he's ripped." Was he even ripped? Yeah. I don't remember. Was David Demander ripped? I don't have a clue. Let me. Sh- uh, okay, let me see. Not really. <laughs> Damien Demento. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, he looked all right. <sighs> he looks he's got great facial hair. Yeah. Doesn't he look like a guy that would totally fight Godzilla? He does. Yeah. He looks like Godzilla's fucking biggest fear. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Crazy haircut. Um, he made the first episode of Raw against Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Thank you to Matthew Dawkins for this week's Tombola. Let's wrap this show up. Well, Kayfabers, that was our attempt at the dreaded Katie Vick storyline. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this. You can can literally pause this podcast right now and it'll take ten seconds of your time. And hey, if this is your first episode, we've got a lot more in our back catalogue. If you like if you like Katie Vick, you're going to love the ECW Zombie. And hey, we've got fun bookings on Keith Lee, King Regal, Sean O'Hare, Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes again, all ready to download today. So what are you waiting for? We are on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Making Kayfabe. If you want to support Making Kayfabe with your wallet and get something in return, we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Kayfabe. For as little as £5, you can get access to 18 exclusive Making Kayfabe episodes which you haven't heard before, as well as a further 16 Kayfabe conundrum episodes which are always batshit crazy. Dive in, folks. If you can afford it, we'd love to see you there. Dylan's back next week with the season finale of Season 6. And Dylan, do you have any clues what's coming up? Yes. There will be approximately zero corpse fucking. Zero? Yep. I thought today's episode, we went a little bit too heavy on it, so I'm going to reduce that number significantly next week okay oh, i assume fair. that's a good enough clue for everybody so we'll place your guesses now. <laughs> that narrows it down right <laughs> it's um we we have had requests to do next week's rebooking for a long time 
it because it's next week is the season finale. So as is tradition, I'll be rebooking a stable, a faction, if you will. So it's a faction that we have had requests to do for a long time, and we're gonna do it. As is as is tradition, the Canadian yes. prince is dipping his hands into the custard. <laughs> 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 oh boy, so, you're, you're spot on. It is, uh, yeah, it is somebody. Uh, it is a faction that has been requested a lot. Uh, but it's so, a, it's you know, a, it's, about, like, it's a faction we haven't done already. Yes, exactly. It's the first time ever in making kayfabe. Mm-hmm. So if you guys want to leave your guesses on the Twitter page, we'd love to hear them. Exactly. That's it. Something to look forward to, folks. But that's us for today. So we've talked at you. Now it's your turn to come talk at us. Let us know what you thought of this episode at Making Kayfabe on Twitter and Instagram. Until then. We're going to love you and leave you. We'll see you again next week for another fun-filled episode of Making Kayfabe. Take care, folks. Always be kayfabing. Goodbye. Goodbye.